0: of for Clint. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and it's episode 356. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez, that is at underscore Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing on this uh, Thursday evening?
1: I'm good. Just, uh, you know, waiting to get to the holidays so I can consume more NCAA basketball footage. That's not uh, where I thought you were going with consumption during the holidays. But I totally get that. I mean um, that too. The okay. only thing better than watching fringe mid-major prospects over the holidays is doing that with Coquito. So it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well,
0: before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first thing that Strickland has... And Instagram, check that out. That is at thestrick.land on Instagram, We're posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be the in podcast. If you are and you not done so already, please hit like, subscribe to the channel, and even leave us a comment. That would be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise. You can find that on our website, www.thestrick.land. There's a link there that'll take you to the merchandise store. We got all kinds of cool stuff on there. T-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it, we've got it strickland also has a patreon which you can subscribe to there are a number of different tiers there is a six dollar tier that gets you access to pod strickland this podcast that i host every friday the press you also get access to takes from obvious bozos our newest podcast that is hosted by andrew Steele, aka doug that comes out every other week you also get access to the Strickland Discord where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a nine-dollar tier that gives you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the next few more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Merida, one of the best in the business. And now you get access to Strictly NFL. You guessed it. That is our weekly NFL podcast that is hosted by Constantine Metricos and Jeffrey Rasmussen. There are further tiers. There is a fifteen dollars tier, thirty dollars tier, fifty dollars tier, hundred dollars tier. That's come with a variety of additional benefits like listening to podcast recordings, merchandise discounts, and potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none would be possible without you, and none of this would be possible without Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week, with the college football players ready to kick off. BetOnline is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for pro football, the NBA upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to the website today to get into the action and see all the updated odds for the week. Remember to use promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, The Knicks lost a very annoying game last night to the Utah Jazz lost 117-113 on the road. First game of a four-game, uh, I believe it's four-game, road trip for the Knicks. Uh, they have a back-to-back coming up Friday against the Phoenix Suns and Saturday against the LA Clippers, which would conclude both our, the season series against both those teams for the Knicks. They also have a game on Monday against the Los Angeles Lakers. So, um, I don't know. I've talked about this game a lot, talked about a lot of shit a lot. So, I don't know.
1: Feel free to jump in wherever you feel (laughs) like jumping in. I don't know, man. Uh, The Utah game was fucking weird. Um, It wasn't like a perfect storm of bad stuff, but it was a lot of bad stuff. And I don't know. Lately, I've just. I don't know. I found this is so weird, but like I found myself being like more optimistic, oddly. And maybe that's because the strengths and weaknesses of this team, both when we had Mitch and now without Mitch, are just becoming more and more clear. Like we're figuring out what kind of Randall season we can get. We're, you know, figuring out where Tibbs is going to be stubborn and this year and where. He has adjusted for the better. And there's still, they're still, of course, unresolved things, right? Like, just because he switched the starting lineup doesn't, I don't think that's, like, set in stone or anything like that. Um, RJ was up, and he was down. Who the fuck knows where he's going to end up. Um, but I think that, you know, a lot of that's going to be tested because uh, we got a bunch of good teams um, coming up. Jazz were definitely the most winnable game in the in the short term of the schedule. So, like, optimism that things can break the right way, and we know what's we're expecting and all that, even with Mitch out is all fine and good. But uh, you got to actually do the damn thing, and that goes for the coach, that goes for the players. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I think this is a pivotal stretch for the team and i think they'll be fine in spite of the stupidness that we saw but um you know without mitch the margin is just so much fucking smaller um i i don't know if the sims thing is going to be tenable unless they just switch a lot more which you know hopefully they'll do but like he's just i don't know he's just not even close man as a as a, in terms of his size and his impact as a defender. And, you know, I, I wrote about the defense and it's not like our rim defense, even with Mitch has been super amazing, but when Mitch isn't at the rim, other teams are still like aware of his presence and he's doing a lot. And and Sims just obviously is far from that. And even I heart just, he's always been decent at more aggressive coverage is. So like, in addition to just being an actual seven foot and like Sims, I kind of just forgot how small he is. Like versus the Raptors, I mean, it was a good win, but like Barnes is legit bigger than him. Like Barnes has longer arms and is stronger than him. Like in terms of just like how bulky he is. So like, we're gonna like, you know, whether it's Phoenix, the Clippers, like we're gonna face some teams that have a little bit of size and uh Well that Phoenix puts a lot of so the Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers is more just uh uh they just a bunch of face wings. the center. Um yeah, Zubac. But they just Zubac. have a bunch of wings. Yeah, yeah. But those wings are basically like sim size. So like even that is like it's a, it just puts a lot of pressure on iHeart and you know, you've talked about it, but like He's not having a bad season by any stretch, but like there's times where you can tell he's probably doing a little bit more than he has to, um, you know, contract year shit, especially now with Mitch out. Um, so I think, I think it'll be w- during this pivotal stretch. It'll be, I don't think he'll be bad, but like it's, there's a lot of pressure on him to be more than just good, right? Like to be like the best version of himself in lieu of Mitch playing. And um it's tough because on the one hand, like he wants to do more because this is contract year, And on the other hand, like because Mitch isn't there, like there is also pressure separate from the contract to just get more out of him on offense, like for the team. Like when I see him try these passes and try a little bit, be a little bit more aggressive. Part of me is like, yeah, we kind of need that shit. Cause we're not going to have the same benefits on offense that Mitch gives us. So, one way to make up for that is for iheart to do more but that can quickly turn to a strategy that backfires so it's a really fine line to walk and you know that's what happens when when someone who's probably been your best player overall is out for this not i was gonna say this season but out for a bit for a tough stretch so um i don't know man the it's it's just a lot of, pre- there's just so much less room for error for everybody. So like, you can't have nights where multiple people just shit themselves, which is what happened in Utah and the coach, right? Like where Tibbs just shits himself. And if you have that, it's just going to be a wrap for us versus these good teams. So um, what what is that going to like, what does that look like in this actual stretch? I don't know. Like, how does that change pressure on Tibbs? to do things how does that change pressure on the front office to do things i don't really know um and that's why i think this is like a pivotal stretch you go into the new year cooking like last year we went into the new year cooking right it was like after the lineup change all that shit so um you know that kind of set the tone for the season we had some momentum going into the deadline you get heart gives you a turbo boost like now the shape of the season is different. You have this like period of adversity, where you don't have all your weapons, and uh, it's going to shape how the front office approaches the trade trade deadline possibly. Right? Like we always know they're looking for upgrades. Um, They don't downgrade during the the trade deadline for the most part, except for the failed Cam Reddish experiment. So I don't know.
0: That, I mean, that wasn't even like an
1: attempt. I mean, they didn't really. Downway. it was like a low stakes yeah. right it was like a it, low traded knocks so yeah yeah
0: take that for what it is
1: yeah um, it doesn't take much to upgrade there
0: <laughs> yeah i'm uh, i'm genuinely a little bit worried because some of the stuff i've been seeing lately from just various guys in this team um i don't know i i think the minute stuff is getting very stupid and just bad um <laughs> I don't, I didn't really understand anything about the rotations yesterday, like at at really any point, um, you know, there was, there were people suggesting that maybe quickly didn't play as much because he's on a minutes limit Um, after the game. I think I know quickly said he wasn't on a minutes limit. And I believe Tibbs also confirmed he was on a minutes limit. Um, So the fact that our brave uh, New York beat that holds everybody accountable couldn't ask a straightforward question. There's a little bit annoying Um, because I, I genuinely like, I can, I can rationalize why he got pulled in the second half. I could, like when he got pulled in the fourth quarter. I have no godly idea why he got pulled in the first half when he did. Um, he got pulled effectively after a stretch where he stole the ball. He was on ball. a heater. Well, he was on a heater, but he stole the ball. The Knicks had a five point lead. He stole the ball, passes it to Grimes. Grimes passed it to RJ. RJ has a wide open layup, or he's a wide open heart to pass to for a layup. Instead, he decides, I got to get myself going, because at that point, I believe he was 0 for 8. Um, and he decides, you know what? I'm going to try to yam on Taylor Hendricks here. Misses the dunk. Uh, they come down the other end. They end up hitting a three after an offensive rebound because the Knicks did not have numbers back. And uh, that cuts the leads, to. He calls a timeout. He pulls quick right there. And I have no. I, I honestly have no idea why. I could not tell you. Nobody could tell you. Uh, the only rationalization that was given at the time was, well, maybe he's on a minute's limit, maybe this." And It was all bullshit. Um, there was no minute's limit, obviously. Um, and it just feels to me like he's back on this fucking bullshit where it's, oh, well, I can't move quickly from his role. I can't. He, everybody but quickly needs to get extended opportunities to figure out shit. Uh, and he is, again, the one to make sacrifices, be it in terms of minutes, be it in terms of role, be it in terms of whatever it is. And I honestly feel like for the first time in his career, I'm seeing him like, like there were defensive rotations yesterday, where they weren't necessarily missed defensive rotations, but they are the type of rotations that you expect him to go the extra mile and give you. And I'm seeing him not do that stuff. And I'm sorry, like I'm just not really interested in blaming him at this point because it's a contract year for him. He's sacrificed. Multiple times in his career, basically, at least you could you have to say at least the last two years, he's made not just sacrifices but um, had to deal with decisions that made very little sense at various points. Um, for whatever reason, no matter what the data says, no matter how he plays, no matter anything, Tibbs will never start him at the two, ever. If he has anybody else who can do it, uh, I believe the only times he started at the two were last year when. I want to say RJ was out and before we had Josh Hart. That was it. Oh, and maybe Grimes too. So when either of the starting wings was out and we didn't before we got traded for Josh Hart, it's the only time he started games last year. Um, other than that, he only started when obviously Brunson was out. The other frustration real went, quick
1: real yeah. quick tangent on the rotation. I guess I'm not a tangent, but like the iHeart shit to me is also like symptomatic of the same thing. Like him deciding, oh, I'm going to start Sims because I don't want to... M- it's basically because I don't want to mess up the rotation. Like, that's the dumbest fucking thing. Like, you know what matters more than like the... Or, like, you, you have to play your best players, right? And obviously, the biggest example of him not doing that is quickly. who He just is not playing enough minutes, nor is he giving the other guys like Brunson and Randall a chance to play with quickly, who is probably the best player they can play with right now. And the idea to me of like keeping Hart with the bench just because the play style or or whatever, like no, Hart is way fucking better than Sim. So like if you truly believe in your starting lineup being meaningful in some way, like you should play the starting center who's way you should play the center who's way better who's your only option now. And like the fact that he didn't is just not that we need more evidence of this. We've all known this for a long time now is like, he just has, this a weird fucking rigid conception of like, uh, I can't change these roles or else the whole fucking castle will come crumbling down. And it's the stupidest shit. Just play your best play. Like you're sinking, you're sinking the starting lineup, not just by not playing quickly, but also by playing Sims with them. Like just, it's not that complicated. Like just play your best fucking five, dude. Like,
0: yeah, and... It's crazy to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can...
1: Rat, like, whether it's IQ or... Like, why are we... Uh, like, the... It's just, it just doesn't fucking make sense.
0: Yeah, look, that stuff is stupid. Um, to go back quickly, like, I think that... Um, in his case, the thing that I think is the most ridiculous part of this is... You have three plus years and counting at this point of data saying he is a Mm -hmm. massive positive. If you want to cite net rating and get cute when asked about why Evan Fournier got shot from the rotation. Well,
1: you open Pandora's box buddy. So yeah. Beat um, writers. Why don't you, you know, this guy has cited this in response to your questions, have some fucking courage. And how about you ask him like, you know, you mentioned when making previous big lineup changes, like taking Evan Fournier out of the lineup, that net rating is important to you, but net rating is a really, really positive reflecting stat on Emmanuel quickly, but he hasn't been uh, you know, his minutes have decreased. Like, is Tibbs gonna give you a bullshit answer? Probably. Guess what? You should still do your fucking job and ask the question.
0: Yeah, and um I I just find that to be very annoying. Um, I think that um it's kind of absurd to me that he seems to be the one player in on this team who. Has to win his minutes and earn his role every single night. And even on nights when he does that, it still doesn't seem like enough. Um, again, I have no idea why he got pulled yesterday, especially on a night where, I mean, I think there the are only three guys in the team made threes. Quickly was three for four. But DiVincenzo was whatever he was. And I think Randall was two for six. Uh, I think they made a total of nine, eight or nine or something. So DiVincenzo made three or four. Um, and I so I just don't really understand that. And I, I think you're getting to a point where again, i'm I'm starting to see slippage from him and stuff that is the things that make him as valuable as he's been and 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 have made him such a net positive player. And I again, I just don't blame him because I'm not if I'm him, I'm like, well, what am I even sacrificing for at this point? what i I've done everything asked of me, and even when I keep doing the things asked of me, I don't get a reward for it. like, I'm sorry, Josh Hart's awesome. You know, I love Josh Hart. There's absolutely no fucking reason why the, the... Like, it's like we went to the playoffs and Tibbs' brain exploded and he's, like, still not fully recovered from it or something because prior to the playoffs, the rotation was set and it was a fine rotation. The Knicks blitz teams. They would bring quickly in off the bench first and then Josh Hart would come in and that's what it was and it was perfect and it was fine. Nothing that has been, nothing that has happened should change that. That like swapping out Obi Toppin for Dante DiVincenzo in the rotation should not have changed that. And I think he's actually created issues further with these decisions. Um, You know, say whatever you want about Grimes' struggles. That starting lineup is actually still a pretty strong positive for the season. I think they're plus six and a half. I think they might still be one of like the top five or six, uh, five man rotations in terms of at least like. Uh, in terms of minutes played, and there's still a huge net positive. And obviously they went against opposition starters. So we also know going back to last year, that was a huge positive. So you, and and the reason why that rotation worked so well last year is you minimize the minutes of Hart at the three when he's playing with Grimes. And for whatever reason, I, I can't tell you the reason, you know, I, I can't be very, very specific about it anyway. But when you have Grimes and, and Hart at the, at the two, three, with Brunson at the one and Randall at the at the four, regardless of who the center is, those lineups just haven't been good this year. And the only reason I think they were good last year is because Hart was shooting out of his fucking mind. Um, and you minimize those minutes last year. And and if you kind of look at the way the playoffs were the more minutes that Hart got, and the more that he frequently played with Grimes and and RJ, especially, the less positive those lineups became, the less positive his minutes became. Um Nothing changed about him as a player. Like, sure, yeah, he was missing threes instead of making them, but that—that that, I don't think that's really what was changed there. I, I think how this whole rotation started altering is what changed. And I get, like, you know, if you want to say in the playoffs quickly struggle, fine, I, I'll I'll, I'll, grant, I'll grant you that, and fine, we can move on with that. To start the season, the rotation was still the same, and that rotation was good and it was working. And then for whatever reason, it changed to no Hart's the first guy off the bench, then quickly comes in two minutes later. So you get these two minute periods. In which frequently the Knicks would just be dog shit, and it sounds ridiculous. Where it's like, well, two minutes shouldn't change a game. Um, let me tell you something: two minutes—that's um, that can be a four-point, five-point swing. And I, I would bet if you take off, if you remove the minutes for Grimes that he plays without Hart and the ones that he's played with Hart, um, I would venture to guess there's a pretty strong correlation there between where his, which minutes are killing his plus-minus, for example. Um, now, going back to the quickly thing. If I'm quickly, uh, I'm sorry. At some point, it is disrespectful. Like, we can sit here and be like, oh, coach yeah, coach. we're if long past gotta, that. We're long yeah, past that. Yeah. Like, people can be like, yeah. And I get that. Like, yes, yeah, sir. Sure, players got to play and the coach has to do what he thinks is right and blah, blah, blah. But at a certain point, if, oh, okay, we got Josh Hart. You're good. Everything is fine. Six man of the year campaign. You come back next year. Josh Hart gets a contract. You signed Dante DiVincenzo. Now, you know, when, when, oh, when RJ is hurt. When Grimes is hurt, who starts? Josh Hart. Okay, fine. You know, you don't want to. You want to leave me in my rule off the bench. I get it. I'm still getting plenty of minutes. I'm happy to go. When the full rotation is back, now all of a sudden Josh Hart has passed me in the rotation, and also, oh, now when Grimes is struggling, no, no, I'm not going to play quickly in the starting lineup. The guy who actually has a data sample that shows he's a massive positive with that group. No, no, I'm going to play Divincenzo because I can't figure out how to stagger stuff because I don't want to figure out how to stagger rotations. I'm sorry. I I think that's kind of bullshit. And if he's upset about that, and it's impacting his effort, I have zero issue with that. Um, I take more issue with the fact that nobody in this organization has had a fucking conversation with Tibbs about it yet. That's honestly what I take more issue with. And I take more issue with the fact that Tibbs himself can't fucking understand this stuff at this point. Like, uh, you know, I'm not talking about fire Tibbs and get him the fuck out of here. But this is ridiculous. It is getting ridiculous. This is the fourth year now he's coached this player. And he keeps saying, I'm a quickly guy. I love quick. I want like, oh, I, I would love to extend him. I'd love to keep him. You got to fucking show it at some point. And showing it goes beyond just being like, well, you can, you can, if you play well, you get to play the last 17 minutes of the game. He's been good enough. He's proven himself multiple times for this team each season. He deserves to have a role. And that role should be every single night. You are getting minimum 27, 28 minutes. It does not matter how, if you're struggling tonight, if you're playing great tonight, it sh- if you play great, great. That means maybe you should play more. If you're struggling, we should, you should have faith in this player that one, even if he's struggling to score the basketball, if you reward him with the minutes he deserves, he will find ways to add value. And even when he himself is not shooting well, Players benefit from being on the floor with him. He amplifies the impact of others. In a lot of ways, he is similar to Josh Hart, who, look, you want to, I don't know if Emmanuel quickly is some star in the make, hidden star. I don't know if Josh Hart ever, obviously, I know that Josh Hart's not some hidden star. But those guys, for whatever reason, seem to amplify the effects of other guys, especially on this team, be it Brunson, Randall, RJ, whoever the fuck it is, okay? And if you can't recognize that as a coach, That is a fundamental flaw on your ability to coach. Like, that is your issue. That is not anybody else's issue. And if the front office allows this to happen, and if the front office, like, it's not a direct corollary. But you got Jalen Brunson because the Dallas Mavericks did not appreciate the value he provided. They did not appreciate what he gave that team. They did not appreciate his ability to play on and off ball. And the versatility that gave them, and and how much that was worth, right? And what did that? What does that mean? That means they ended up having to make a trade where they trade out another first round pick, of which they don't have many, uh, and swaps and whatever the fuck to go get Kyrie Irving. And you are now entering a zone where you're doing the same. You're doing the same. You're 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 entering the zone where if I'm Emmanuel quickly, I'm a quarter of the way through the season. I'm scoring more officially than I did last year. I, uh, I, you know, Tommy Beer posts all the numbers, whatever. You want to look at the numbers. All his numbers, all his rate stats are higher than they were last year, basically. Um, and I'm being rewarded with less minutes after I played a six man of the year worthy campaign last year. After I was one of your maybe, arguably, your most important player in terms of connecting various groups and giving you lineup versatility. And my reward for that is, one, you didn't give me a contract extension. Two, you did extend Josh Hart. I'm not saying – and I want to be very clear. I don't personally feel Josh Hart's extension had much to do with Quickly's extension. I'm just seeing how he could fucking perceive it. But you extended Josh Hart. You went out and signed Dante DiVincenzo. Oh, and now, by the way, these three Villanova guys, what are we? We're we're now now appeasing Jalen Brunson is more important than anything else on the team. And, again, I want to be very clear. I am not saying that Jalen Brunson – uh, and, and this is the reasoning for why they're starting DiVincenzo or signed him. I, I don't think it is. Um, I think it probably helped bring him on board where it's like, hey, you want to play with your buddies again? Sure, I'm sure that was part of it. But like, I don't think that's why they signed him. Uh, if it was, they would go out and fucking sign Amari Spellman and Eric Pascal. But like, this is the things that can start entering into your head as a player. And let's be real, like we know fans have already been thinking about this for a long-ass fucking time. So it's not out of the realm of poss- like out of the realm of any possibility that that he would, you know, he he could start thinking these things or that his agent could get in his ear and be like, hey, this is what's up, this is what's out there for you if you want to test out the market or if you want to get the fuck out of here right now. Um, and like I'm sorry, like if they if they allow that to happen, uh not only are they fucking themselves over in the short term, they're potentially making a mistake that can cost them in the same way. And yeah, you want to tell me, you know, Dallas has bounced back and they pivoted well, fine. But you know what? There's a cost to those moves and to to losing out on an asset and a player like that, um, that you can't recoup. And, and, And it can compound and it can create issues for you down the line. So, you know, you want to start DiVincenzo, fine. You want to fucking bring Josh Hart off the bench first? I don't really give a shit. But it does not matter what you do. This player needs to get 28 minutes a night. And on top of that, I think RJ Barrett on the whole this season has been fine. Or been good, actually, on on, on aggregate. You know, obviously we all know his recent struggles have been his recent struggles and whatever. But like it's this is another situation where you're like, if you're Emmanuel Clinton, you're like, well, how come he, it doesn't matter ever? Like he seems to be able to get the leash for whatever you know and i get why that is uh initially anyway but at this point in their careers i don't think that should matter like what what are if you're if you're about winning if the whole thing is well we just care about winning as many basketball games as we want there's really no argument to be made as far as the regular season is concerned anyway that emmanuel quickly doesn't help you win more ball games than rj Barrett at this point in their careers and throughout their careers there is none zero like literally not a single one aside from Nebulous stuff about like size and wanting to get two feet in the paint. Like I, other than that, there just isn't. And so, like, again, these are the things that can build on you. and and I don't think it's just quickly, by the way. Like if I'm Quentin Grimes, I'm like, well, shit. Like, so I worked my ass off for this team last year. And my reward is not only am I moving to the bench, which he pro- might not even mind, but like, You didn't even attempt to to get me going at any point in that starting lineup. It was just figure it out, roll the ball out there, figure it out, find your role. You know, don't touch the ball ever. Don't make it a priority actually to even get Quentin Grimes the ball. Um, I think that stuff is grading. And again, if you're quickly, you're like, I've done everything that's been asked of me for three years. I've and and you've got to understand with a guy like quickly, especially when he came in his rookie year, the Knicks were dog shit. He was. I'm not saying he was the key component in that his rookie year, but he was a part of establishing this franchise as something beyond a joke, giving us a ground zero, right? To our base camp um, to, to kind of, okay, this is what we are now as a team. His secondary gets jerked around again and he still plays his ass off, plays hard, whatever, all the data says he's your most impactful player. Okay, fine. I come back last year and I've got to earn my minutes again and I do, and you actually reward me and my minutes are great and they extend and we're winning a lot of ball games more than anybody expected. And uh, I struggled in the playoff, sure, but now my reward coming back in this fourth year, my contract year, is I I'm less of a priority than DiVincenzo. I'm less of a priority than Josh Hart, guys who already got their payday. I'm less of a priority than RJ Barrett, who also got his payday and who I've outperformed for the most of the last four years. Like the, these are the things that can creep in your thinking and they can affect your effort and they can have you start, you know, oh well. Maybe, maybe i do need to get out of here maybe i should get out of here maybe maybe i need to go demand a trade maybe whatever the hell your reasoning is there are reasons to do all of these things and or there's at least reasons for these things to enter your head and um once you get a player in that mindset it's tough and you gotta i, I think the last part you know you would talk about Hartenstein. the next like they've got like look quickly is playing for a contract grime's playing for a contract in in a lot of ways he's extension eligible after this year Isaiah Harnstein is playing for a contract. Uh, Julius Randle is arguably playing for a contract as he is uh, extension eligible after this season. Like That's four guys in your 90-man rotation playing for contracts. That's not easy. And it's not just that they're playing for contracts. They've seen other guys on this team in the last few years get rewarded, right? Um, and if you're these like it it, it all just creates a lot of dynamics that they the knicks haven't had to deal with i mean forget just this regime like they haven't had to deal with this stuff for a long time